Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. How's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle Podcast. This is episode 146. Happy summer, everybody. It is officially summer now. I hope everybody's having a great week out there. I hope you have more outdoor gigs than you can handle in your schedule. I wish it were true for me, uh, but I do have a few gigs coming up later this summer, which is great. Uh, Hope everybody's doing well. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, We're going to be joined once again by our good friend, Peter Kogan, right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned before the break, we're going to be joined once again by the great Peter Kogan, uh, who has a fantastic new record coming out this week on Friday uh, the 24th. Uh, Peter's new record is uh, entitled Just After Midnight. Uh, Peter is just... You guys already know he was on the show back on episode 63, and I hope you caught that. If you did not catch episode 63 with Peter, it has a lot more of his backstory than this one. We wanted to really focus on the new record, Uh, but Peter has been uh, classically trained. He's been playing in many, many different symphony orchestras uh, throughout the country over the years. Just a phenomenal classical player. But he's also a wonderful jazz player, and I have had the opportunity uh, to listen to this record quite a few times. Uh, he was so gracious enough, uh, you know, to send over an uh, an advanced copy for me to listen to, and I've been thoroughly enjoying it. Um, 
fantastic sounding record as always. Uh, just a, a great listen, and I encourage all of you to go out and pick up a copy uh, whenever you get the chance on this Friday, June 24th. We had a great conversation uh, with Peter, uh, talked all about the record. Again, it's called Just Before Midnight uh, by Peter Kogan. I know you're going to get a lot out of this, so help me welcome back to the Drum Shuffle, the great Peter Kogan. Hey, Peter, welcome back to the Drum Shuffle. Thanks. Thanks, Jamie. Good to be with you. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I guess the uh, the burning question is, how are things in the great state of Minnesota? <laughs> well, right now it's beautiful weather. It's finally turned to spring and we've got flowers and we've got green on the trees. Finally, it's a, it's a late spring here yep. and uh, uh, things are, are going well. Things are OK. Good, good. Well, I know that. Uh, you know, it's a uh, playoff hockey season right now, and unfortunately, the the Minnesota Wild have, uh, <laughs> have they're gone. Have they're gone, gone home. Yeah, right. so the Twins are playing great, though. It's been fantastic. Yeah, so we have that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, thanks so much for taking time to come back. I, I appreciate it. And you know, the last time we spoke was in 2018. You had just put out the brilliant, uh, you know, the green album, which I loved. Um, it's still in the rotation here at the, uh, at the Eads household. Um, yeah. Well, and you've got a new record out, but before we get to that, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what's been going on. And obviously that is, you know, this, this global pandemic that we've had, but you, the last time we had you on, you had just recently retired from, uh, I want to get this right. The Minnesota symphony. Um, it's called orchestra. It's called, but it's, uh, that's the idea. Okay. Okay. So you had just recently retired from the Minnesota orchestra um, mm-hmm. But you were still doing some, you know, timpani work uh, there locally. But you were really mm-hmm. just looking forward to doing some jazz gigs, and then essentially the world shut down. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and things were going pretty well as far as you know, getting gigs and and having some uh, groups that were pretty stable. You know, considering the, the freelance nature and the, uh, of the jazz. Seen uh, in a town like uh, in my most towns, you know, the guys who are making a living or almost making a living at jazz are taking whatever gig comes their way. So to put together a group that will stay together is is a little bit tricky. Uh, but I at, just before the uh, COVID struck, I had a potential engagement at the Iowa City Jazz Festival, and I was you know getting gigs booked around town with a pretty stable quintet and then everything got canceled. All the clubs, uh, you know, and bars closed down uh, as they did everywhere. And uh, it took uh, a year uh, for things to get back on track. And so uh, starting, uh, when was it? When did it get? Uh, 2020 um, when he was, a, you know, a wash. And at that point, um, this gets to, uh, I guess, my new album because I had a lot of time at home to try and 
figure out, you know, what am I going to do with myself? I can't go out and play gigs, you know. Um, and I had a backlog of ideas, um, uh, of compositions, uh, jazz tunes, um, that I had, had some idea I wanted to write down. And, um, I was able to, to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, composing and arranging my material. And, uh, by the end of the year, by 2021, I had pretty much a, a an album worth of material, uh, to, to think about. So, um, uh, starting last summer, 2021, uh, before the, the new, uh, various waves started rehitting all the clubs open and we got some, you know, wonderful full houses with the quintet and my septet. And uh, I was able to start performing the new material and, um, and then, <laughs> yeah, then things, got worse as you know yeah right so uh, once again you know with the omicron and the, so on the delta variant all that stuff um i did manage to uh get a a, a final a gig with my septet in december and um now that i had all this material um i thought it was time to get another album out and in january uh of this year uh, i went into the recording studio we had three three nights of recording and we got everything on the new disc down. Um, and, uh, it was very exciting. And then of course, two months of mixing and mastering. I mean, that just seems to take forever. Uh, but we got it all done by, by, uh, late April. And, uh, so the new album, uh, called, uh, just before midnight was, uh, was released then. And that's, uh, that's the, the album you you got sure so um i guess uh i was able to survive you know having worked as a a, a classical musician all those years in a, a very a solid orchestra here in uh, based in minneapolis um i was able to get a good pension good musical pension and uh it, it kept me going and uh, my wife was working as well at the same time, so that helped enormously. So I, I uh, kind of forced myself to, uh, to to compose and to 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 arrange and to get my stuff together that I didn't have the time to do when I was scuffling for gigs. Yeah, for sure. So, well, and yeah. you know, I know that you know your first instrument uh, as a child was was violin, if I'm recalling yeah, yeah. correctly. Mm-hmm. So I. And, and- it, it always begs the question to me, um, I, you know, I don't have the composition chops that other guys have. And it, it amazes me, you know, when I listen to, to the new record, you know, where does this come from? Could, could you do this without, <laughs> you know, the, the other instrument being in your life? Um, uh-huh. it, you know, it's hard for me to imagine sitting down. I can't remove the drummer brain, right? If that uh-huh, makes sense. Uh-huh. And I'm always thinking sure. of everything from a rhythmic aspect, but this is a, a very melodic, beautiful record. Um, you know, where does that come from? Could you do it solely from a percussionist standpoint? Um that's an interesting question. I haven't really thought of it about it quite like that, but you know, I did study the piano 
uh, I kind of got frustrated with the violin because I didn't want to practice it. So I kind of got attracted to the piano because I could always sit down and fool around on it. And I started taking piano lessons. I was very fortunate to have a teacher in my early teen years who was more like a uh, uh, keyboard harmony instructor than a piano teacher. He okay. did a lot of ear training with me. That was in, totally invaluable, as you can imagine. Sure. And, uh, uh, and of course, I, I studied the, the, the percussion keyboard instruments, you know, the marimba and the xylophone, the vibes. And uh, so I, I kind of, when I started getting interested in jazz, I would like, you know, get those Charlie Parker transcriptions and play it on the marimba, things like that, you know. So that that really en- enhanced my, my jazz abilities. As far as my compositional skill, well, I never really studied composition, but I think years of, of listening to music, it just kind of got absorbed. That's, that's the best I can say. Um, and, um, and I found that, uh, you know, my ideas were, were almost a relief from the playing of classical music, which was a little bit overly structured, I think for me, you know, I mean, where you're, but, but hearing all that great music and having it really in my head, uh, must have had an effect on my ability to compose. Because there, there are these classical music is so, it's got a lot of long form, a lot of long forms, you know, not the 32 bars, but you have, you know, extended phrases and all that stuff. And that must have had an effect on me. I just figure. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, that, you know, that leads to another kind of line of questioning, I guess. And, and that mm-hmm. is a lot of guys that come from classical music when they do compose a, a record or two or three or however many records they, they compose on their own, sometimes it's stiff and it doesn't swing and it, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't have these great melodic runs the way your music does. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, I, I have to think that, you know, that, that you must have two brains or, <laughs> <laughs> Or at least, at least two uh, motherboards or something. I don't know. But right, y- right. Y- well, it's it's it, it, to some degree, I may agree with you. I mean, I, I because I was listening to jazz as a pretty young kid and loved it, and you know, playing on the pots, pots and pans, you know, on the floor and stuff like that, just like a lot of drummers who were attracted to rhythm. But we also had, at the same time, you know, a huge amount of classical music going on in my house as a kid. So, uh, and I was certainly encouraged more with the classical, but my parents didn't mind me going out and playing gigs, you know, with the local, uh, you know, uh, dance bands, basically. Sure. So I did have that duality going on. And uh, it went right up through my first years in, in, in music school where I was still doing an occasional gig with um, uh, my cousin who was a blues guitarist, you know. So um, it, then I had a long stretch, of course, uh, in the classical field. But I think I may have mentioned in our last interview um, where uh, 
around when I was in about 30 years old, I had was playing with the Pittsburgh Symphony, and I, my friend David Friedman, the great vibraphonist uh, who I had been in school with, came to Pittsburgh and did some gigs, and uh, I was able to sit in on drums with his group, and uh, I had such a good time. It just, I said, I gotta, I gotta start doing this again. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, it- so I, I, I left for six years in New York. I was freelancing as just a drummer basically put the classical stuff totally aside. So coming back to it again um, after leaving the Minnesota Orchestra in 2015, it's been pretty much, this is what I want to do. I want to play the drums, uh, you know, and the, 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 the writing was also something that I had been doing when I was in New York during those years. So I just took it up again. Yeah. And, uh, well, and, and whatever catalyst you can find, right? I mean, Mm-hmm. for that creative outlet is a good catalyst. I mean, I, I've, I've said to, I don't know how many people over the years, look, it, it doesn't matter whether it comes from, you know, the, the happiest day of your life, the saddest day of your life, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you can use to create is, is a good thing to use. Right. Yeah. I totally, totally agree with that. Uh, it, and I just let it come to me basically. And, um, then I try and use my skills to, to make it into something that I would want to hear, you know, that I would want to listen to. Well, and, and mission accomplished, you know, I, I spent, um, you know, the weekend with the record and, you know, I, I have found it to be just, you know, I mean, it's, it's a great listen. Um, it true. Yeah, it truly is. Um, I really like, uh, you know, there's some play on words in here, but, I right. really dug I Dream of Danny playing guitar. I, yeah, <laughs> I, right. I love it. It's so brilliant. <laughs> and it starts Thank with you. the piano and, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just a, a, a brilliant listen. And, you know, I think you composed of the nine songs, you composed all but one. And then you kind of did right. an arrangement on that, right? That's correct. That's correct. Well, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about I Dream of Danny. And this was probably just last October, because it's the last tune that, that uh, I wrote. And um, I actually dreamed the, of Danny, who is Danny Kalb, who was, in his day, he was pretty well known. He, he was the founder of the Blues Project, which was a, you know, a 60s uh, kind of blues revival band. Um, and he's in a, a rest home in, in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and He's fading, you know, and uh, for some reason, I dreamed of him just sitting all on a stage and playing this tune, and uh, I, I jotted it down in pencil. I happened to have some manuscript paper not too far from the bedroom, and um, just jotted down the tune, and like this has happened before to me, and then I go back to it maybe a week later, and try and determine if it's something worthwhile, you know? And, uh, so it, it, it very quickly turned into that whole tune, uh, with the, with the bridge added and a little intro and so on and a, and a fade out. And, um, yeah, I, um, and I wanted to make sure I didn't steal it from somebody else. Oh, Peter, it's, Peter, it's, it's, it's 2022. That is so, you know, yesterday we, we just rip everybody off nowadays. Right, it's fine. Right, yeah. Well, 
Yeah, I, I, uh, but I did check out a few other, you know, uh, tunes that I thought might sound similar to make sure that I wasn't really ripping anybody off. And, um, so yeah, I think it sounds the most like Gordon Lightfoot, frankly, but, uh, I don't think I actually ripped him off. So I feel good <laughs> about that. Um, anyway, <laughs> what that's doing on a jazz record is another story, but we had a lot of fun playing it. And I have such wonderful musicians on the record. Uh, these local guys are all, everyone on the record is from Minnesota, except the pianist who plays the piano piece that ends the album. And, um, uh, these guys are, are so talented and did such a great job for me. I, I'm very thrilled. And uh, I was able to get most of them for the CD release engagement, um, which... Uh, and that's coming uh, up here soon, right? Yeah, that's June June 11th uh, here in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, at a place called KJ's Hideaway. And uh, very happy about that. It's a kind of a storied place because it used to be called the Artist Quarter, uh, which was uh, founded by a drummer named Kenny Horst. And I don't know if you know Kenny, but he um, he's a veteran jazz drummer who had this club, the Artist Quarter, which was moved around. You know, it was in Minneapolis for a bunch of years and then two different venues and or maybe even three in St. Paul. He ended up in this basement area and was, became stable. It was great great place for a club and uh then it changed hands and then kj's took it over and it's been operating again for about six months and it's doing great so very glad to be in that storied place and uh got most of the guys to come and and play with me on that engagement so uh oh that's great i'm very excited about that yeah yeah for sure well and you know i mean i think I think we talked about this the last time you were on the show. Um, you, you know, a, a lot of listeners, you know, worldwide might be, you know, I, I think it's hard for people that aren't Americans to understand the vastness of the United States, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've, yes. I've had friends come over from Europe and they'll be in New York and they'll be like, well, we're going to come down to Kentucky and see you. And I'm like, you realize that's a 14 hour drive, right? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's, it's lost on folks, but a lot of people listening right now are thinking a jazz scene in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There's some, yeah, some wonderful people out here. There's a guy named Max Santiago, who's a drummer, by the way, who opened a, uh, a place called Jazz Central Studios, which is kind of a nonprofit where people can go and try out their stuff. And uh, there's a rehearsal space there, and it's a you know a little downstairs place. It doesn't even doesn't serve any food. It's just you know, and they get a crowd to come in there, and they've been streaming live throughout the pandemic, and. Um, uh, uh, the other thing was the uh, that happened is that the Twin Cities Jazz Festival started streaming live too. So uh, starting last summer, you know, even before last summer, they started doing streamings and they do all kinds of safety protocols for the players. So you see a lot of players in masks and barriers and all kinds of stuff. But no one got sick so far from these these things, and uh, this has sort of kept things going in this town. So. It's a small, small bunch of people, but, you know, by New York standards, but they're very dedicated. There's some wonderful players out here. Well, and, and you know, I, I just think that, 
you know, I've had so many great drummers on this show from mm-hmm. the Twin Cities, you know, uh-huh. I, and there's a rock scene, there's a funk scene, there's, mm-hmm. you know, a jazz scene, there's a blues scene. There's just right. so much great music in, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Um, it, it really is, I, you know, the, the, the great North, <laughs> you know, <laughs> of the States, right. the music scene. It's so incredible. Right. Well, you know, the, the uh, drumming wise, you know, we had, uh, Mark Dahlgren and then Elliot Fine, uh, you know, of, of, uh, their famous, uh, four way coordination book. And those were guys I worked with and they both, both played with the, uh, the min- Minneapolis, well, and then it was called the Minneapolis Symphony, and then it became the Minnesota Orchestra. So both those guys were around and teaching. So that's certainly part of the drum scene here. Um, and uh, it just, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's quite a scene of great musicians in this town. And fortunately, uh, not as many venues as there were like 30, 40 years ago, but a few. A few, and they keep going. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, I'm so glad to be a small part and shed some light on, on that scene up there. You know, everybody automatically thinks New York, L.A., <laughs> Nashville, right? That's just... Right, right. And that sure. is the, the heart of the music industry in the States, but there's so many great scenes elsewhere you know atlanta has a great scene you know of course you, mm-hmm. you guys minneapolis st paul has a great scene um vegas has a, a you know a great scene uh it, there's just mm-hmm. there's so much more to it than just the big three you know i mean it, tru- truly oh, absolutely. you know it's yeah, it's amazing chicago detroit you know san francisco all these, these towns have wonderful scenes of great great music being made so yeah for absolutely. sure well, and, you know, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you recorded this record in three days, um, which is amazing to me that you can get, you know, five guys and girls or seven guys and girls, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's essentially three songs a night, right? And well, to, to, it was, right. It was, uh, it was, it was a week, of, basically three weeks apart, you know, one, one, one uh, Mondays, three Mondays in January. And uh, we were able to do the quintet uh, and cor- the f- three of the, the, let's see, I think there's two quintet tunes. Uh, one is um, Pow, 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 Yeah, and uh, and Another Thing. And then they, we, did, we did the quartet called uh, Ode to JC. Um, so that was the first session. The second session was the, uh, the other... Um, Let's see. We started doing the uh, septet tunes on the on the second and third sessions, and with a little bit of patching up, so we were able to get all, all eight tunes done. The piano uh, piece was recorded out in California by this wonderful pianist who I only knew from from uh, seeing a, a music video that he he had done a uh, recital with my stepson, who happens to be a violist. So um, uh, I was able to hear this wonderful pianist and I asked him if he'd do this piece and uh, he did it. So that's how the, that got done. Sure. Well, and I would imagine that you had to do, you know, on your own as the composer of the majority of these tunes, 
you had to do quite a bit of, you know, pre-production stuff to make sure, you know, the arrangements were what you wanted. And, and, you know, I, I would assume you, you charted out a lot of this stuff or, or at least some rough yes. sketches for folks just to make that recording process go a little bit smoother. Right. Right. Well, one of the things I made sure is that we had played everything. So, uh, starting uh, in the summer of 2021, I started playing these tunes live with my various, you know, bands, you know, some gigs with the quintet and some with the septet. And, um, I made sure I got a couple of those under my belt so that I could make sure all the tunes were working and the arrangement process would go on a little bit, you know, uh, in terms of we play a tune and I said, no, this needs this, this needs that. So I'd rewrite a little bit of it. Everything was charted out, you know, except for the, and, you know, and the blowing changes were there for the improv sections. So I'd have to correct the parts, you know, when I changed it. And even when we got to the recording sessions, there were some last minute things I thought of that I changed, but you know, the guys read well, and um, so once I explained what we were going to do, um, they they were cool. They they just did it, and it was great. It made it made made things optimal for me as a composer and arranger. Sure. Well, and that comes back to the two brains thing, you know, because <laughs> co- <laughs> coming from classical music. You know, to be able to shift from that rigid, hey, you're going to read this on the fly kind of thing to to a little bit more laid back sort of, well, you know, this arrangement is malleable, you know, what what works for you guys. Um, You know, I I think that's just, I I find that interesting, you know, Mm -hmm. how you can go from one world to the other seamlessly, you know, it would be hard for some guys, I would assume. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, certainly, um, you know, but the fact is that I, that I worked so long in the classical thing that, for instance, now the only time I do, I do classical gigs maybe a couple of times a year and it's almost exclusively Baroque classical music, which is, it has the similarity to, to American jazz and pop and whatever because it's motor rhythm you know it's it's rhythmic music right and uh, when they write for the kettle drums in Bach or Handel it's it's part of a rhythmic usage of the instrument so it's not that different it's almost like the kettle drummer was the kit drummer of the day you know right and it's sort of a climactic use but it's always a rhythmic use right so uh so in that sense, I, I enjoy. I still enjoy that, and I I build little Baroque timpani, and I play on my own drums, and so that's that's a big big plus for me, you know, to be able to use them. Yeah, it it makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. So so you've got um you know the the release thing coming up, and I noticed on your website, which I'll I'll go ahead and plug now. It's PeterCoganMusic.com. Okay. Um, I, I noticed that there's some other engagements that you have throughout the summer. Um, you know, mm-hmm. is it the hope uh, of you to be doing this music, uh, you know, for, for I, I'm assuming a period of time until, 
you know, the next <laughs> composing yeah. takes hold, yeah, I guess. I write again, if I ever write again, Jamie, this is, you know, you never know, you know, right. when it's going to stop. But um, uh, what I've been doing is I've been booking, uh, after this uh, CD release engagement, I haven't booked the, the, the you know, the, the album material on a gig specifically. So my next gig after the CD release is at a, a, a club. Uh, it's actually a brewery called the Metronome and it's in St. Paul. And I'll be doing that with a quintet and we'll do a few of my tunes, but we'll also do a lot of standard jazz tunes okay. on that gig. Okay. I'm looking forward to that tremendously. And after that, what you probably saw on the website, I, I, I started this in February almost as a lark because um, I was working with these wonderful young players and um, I'm a big, I was brought up on bebop, you know, I mean, I, you know, when I started listening to jazz, I started listening to the bird and jazz and, um, and everyone around them. And uh, I really wanted to play that material. And I occasionally do one of their tunes on, on a gig and I have, uh, a couple, a couple of Charlie Parker and a couple of Charlie Parker tunes and a Diz, Diz tune on the Green album. But I thought, what about just doing a gig where we just go through their their material, you know? So uh, I put together a Bird and Diz Legacy Band uh, with some wonderful young players, and we did a gig in February. And and I started thinking, yeah, let's keep going. Let's look at some more tunes that they wrote because there's a, quite a few, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was able to book another Bird and Biz legacy gig back at Jazz Central Studios, and uh, and another one's coming up that's not even on the website yet. That's uh, going to be uh, what they call the Atrium at Orchestra Hall, which is like a post-concert serenade. You know, after people filter out of the uh, orchestra concert, they can go to this uh, rather large room where they serve drinks and hear hear my band play. So. Um, uh, those are coming up too. And, uh, later on in the summer, I have a gig with a wonderful, uh, saxophonist named Brian Grivner, who was, um, uh, Buddy Rich's lead alto sax player in the seventies, just a phenomenal player who's well known in this area of the country. And, uh, so doing a quartet gig backing up, uh, Brian, so I have these things that I can do to keep my hand in and keep playing jazz without necessarily pushing my own material. Uh, I'll probably give it a little bit of a rest after I do that CD release gig and then, and then maybe pursue some more. Gotcha. Well, and yeah, you know, I know that the, the album is available, you, you know, all over the place, um, you know, and, and I'm not sure. Did you do uh, a physical release as well? I mean, if somebody wants to get it in physical form, can they? Yes, they can. You know, I just I, I don't quite understand a little bit about what's going on with, for instance, CD Baby, who is who has put out the album. Uh, and there, there's a site that they have called Here Now. And my album is available on here now for downloading, but uh, and it's I believe CD Baby is offering the actual disc for sale. Uh, they have certainly asked me for how much it's going to cost and things like that. But it also can be purchased directly from my website, PeterKoganMusic.com. People can go there and and actually purchase either individual tracks or the whole album digitally, or they can order the CD. 
and I will get it to them as fast as I am able. Sure. Well, and, you know, I mean, here's going to be my, you know, get off my lawn speech that I give to everybody, (laughs) you know, when when we're talking about new releases, buy the physical copy, you know, (laughs) Spotify and Apple Music, all that stuff is great. But Peter will certainly reap a little more reward, not a lot, but a little bit more reward, (laughs) you know, if you, if, you know, rip it into your machine and then use it for a coaster. It doesn't matter. Just get the, <laughs> just get the physical copy. That's okay. Amen, that, brother. Yeah. I that's, appreciate that's, very much. Very that's, much. That's what we want to do there. So, um, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just glad that there's good music coming out and, you know, this has been such a weird stretch of, of two years, you know, essentially, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I predicted at the, you know, towards the end of 2020, I said 2021 will go down as the year that more artists released more new music than any other year <laughs> in the history of mankind. Um, yeah, that's true. And, and, you know, it looks like 2022 is going to be a pretty prolific year for, for, for folks putting out new music. I mean, I think mm-hmm. when the gigs stop, that's the only creative outlet any of us have is, is go to the studio, right? Let's record. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And technology is such a way now that, you know, you don't even have to be in the same room, you know, essentially. Um, (laughs) Right. You know, did you you ever uh, try, uh, you know, during the lockdown period, I was trying to get this thing jam kazam going with friends and, even locally, it didn't work terribly well. I think it works okay for slower music, but as soon as you get a groove going, things get messy. <laughs> yeah, and know. you know, my own crew of guys, we we tried using some of that stuff, and you know, if everybody doesn't have the exact same pieces of gear, it's almost impossible mm-hmm. to, for, for mm-hmm. the timing to to sync up. And if somebody has a bad internet connection, it it just doesn't work and. You know, it, right. I, I, I just think there's no substitute for having people in the same room doing their thing. And, and thankfully, that's opening up quite a bit now. Um, yes, much better. It, it much was better. just such a weird time, you know, and for the first mm-hmm. time in, in the history, you know, the 30 plus year history of my band that I've played in all these years, we actually recorded some stuff where none of us uh, were in the studio at the same time. So I went in and played to a click track and then the Uh bass player put his part down. Then the guitarist came in and, and we had some, some pretty good success with that, but there's nothing that can substitute for, in our case, the five of us being in the same room at the same time playing music together. Yeah. No question about that. You know, it's just been such a weird time, but, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, you've got this new record out. It, it's it's a wonderful record, and I'm going to recommend to all of my listeners, pick up a copy. It really is a great listen, and I, I wanted to ask, you know, you, you said you grew up in the bebop thing, and I know that, that all of these songs were, you know, uh, quintet, septet kind of arrangements but i hear a lot of big band influence in there as well D- does that make sense does that resonate with you at all 
Oh, yeah, because, I, you know, uh, you remember the Neil Hefty Count Basie album with the atomic bomb on the cover? I must have I must have worn that out, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, Sonny Payne. And uh, that stuff is definitely, you know, in my head, not to mention um, some earlier music, because one of the first records I got hold of was uh, uh, this uh big band from the 30s uh um it out hang on a second jimmy lunsford's band okay yeah which, which was the other great band along with count basie and duke ellington jimmy lunsford might have been the number three great great arrangements uh and and great band i listened to those things endlessly and i think it just had an effect Sure, it's in there. You okay. Know? Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just, um, you know, I, I think the record is well worth a listen. It, you know, I listened to it, like I said, over the weekend a few times through, and was listening to it again this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on my drive, and and just there's, it's such a good sounding record, and the songs are, um, you, you know. I I think a lot of folks, you know, when they hear, oh, a new jazz record, they're like, well, it's, <laughs> you know, I, it, it's not, it's not cookie cutter jazz. This is very melodic. It's, it's a fun record to listen to, um, you know, so, so I, I give it two thumbs up and it's, Thank you. yeah, Thank you. kudos to you think, guys for getting it done. Thanks. I, I just, you know, want to say that, you know, one of the things that I'm disappointed in in the current era is the way everything is sampled or just, you know, people make their own playlists. But I remember listening to jazz albums as a kid and listening it from top to bottom, you know, and hearing the sequence of tunes was important to me. And so when I started doing my own records, I wanted to have the kind of record where someone could sit down and listen to the whole thing at once and maybe be reading the liner notes like I did as a kid, you know, just sort of following through the sequence of tunes and how they go together and how they contrast. And I guess the other thing is I, as a drummer, I wanted to have a variety of drum styles. You know, I like, I don't like playing the same thing for every tune. So um, my writing sort of reflects, well, I'd like to start writing some stuff in five. I'd like to play some five. You know, five four, fifteen eight. Um, so there's two five, two, two, uh, two tunes in five on the album, which may, if it's not noticeable, that's good. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But but I, I try to have a lot of variety, so you know, it wouldn't be repetitive in terms of the feels from one tune to the next, and uh, uh, that's sort of what I was trying to do. Um, yeah, well, you know, D- Dave Brubeck and and Joe Morello, they they didn't patent the five, right? I mean, it's right. it's been no, a, absolutely, absolutely not. It, it's no. been around for a while, so I mean, I I just I think the record is really good, and you know, I, I'm I'm hopeful that everybody will you know give it a listen, and uh, you know, for for my listeners up in the you know the the greater Minnesota area, go out to the gig, yeah. you know, it's. Yeah. Uh, okay. That'll be great too, you know, and and yeah. and tell Peter that I sent you. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I'd love that. Have him talk to me by all means. Anyone shows up, yeah, for sure. Well, 
for sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to send some folks your way. Again, it's peterkoganmusic.com. Um, Peter, I always enjoy having you on the show. Um, you know, so when the next one comes about, you, you say, you know, <laughs> if I ever write again, I know you will. So when the next one comes around, we'll have you back for a third one. It, it'll be great. Um, okay, Jamie. Thanks. Appreciate the talk and the support. Yeah, for the sure. Talk. Keep us posted on everything that you got going on, and we'll share it with our crowd. And uh, hopefully we'll get some folks out to these gigs, Peter. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Jamie. All right. We'll talk soon. Bye. All right, guys and girls, that's going to wrap up episode 146 of the Drum Shuffle podcast. Uh, A sincere thank you to each and every one of you for tuning in. We simply cannot do this show without each and every one of you doing so each and every week. It helps us more than you'll ever know. So thank you. Uh, Special thanks to Peter Kogan for taking time out of his schedule to come on and talk about his new record with us. Uh, We always enjoy catching up with Peter. If you haven't done so already, link up with Peter uh, at his website and go grab a copy of Just Before Midnight this Friday, June 24th. Uh, You're not going to regret that. I also want to thank our sponsor from the very beginning, Los Cabos Drumsticks. Uh, They're on my mind today. I just got a a fresh uh, case of sticks in today. So thanks to them for helping us bring the show to each and every one of you. If you have not checked out their sticks, please do so immediately. Uh, The best drumsticks in the world, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, As I ask you each and every week, Go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you choose to listen to podcasts on. Uh, It helps us more than you'll ever know. The biggest thing you can do to help out the show is to share a link with a friend. Simply send them a link to one of the shows, one of the episodes, and say, hey, check this out. That helps us to continue our growth process here at the Drum Shuffle, and we do appreciate it. I answer every single email that I get. Our email address is thedrumshufflepodcast at gmail.com. You can always find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. And the web address for The Drum Shuffle is thedrumshuffle.com. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We simply can't do it without you. We have other episodes coming up over the summer that you're not going to want to miss. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.